Father in heaven, you are such a good God, and we are forgetful of that. Lord, you are such a loving, loving Father. And yet, Lord, there's times when uh, we don't even want to listen to you. And Lord, you are our guide for life. And so, Lord, on this day, help us to remember uh, how good you are. Help us to remember um, that you want to have a relationship with us. Help us to hear your voice, God, more and more and more. So we ask this in the powerful name of Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said, I have a line I want you to remember today. The line is this. Would you repeat after me? The shepherd is good. So be like a sheep. And listen to his voice only. Let's try that again with a little more gusto. It's all right. It's a dreary, rainy football watching day. Nice effort being here. The shepherd is good. So be like a sheep. And listen to his voice only. Oh, how hard it is to do that. Oh, how hard it is to do that. We've been in this journey in the book of John, and I love it. Uh, my name's Brian Wren. If you don't know me, I'm one of the pastors on staff. And the book of John is so complex, so rich, so deep. It's like dark chocolate. It looks like chocolate. Oh, it's just another piece of chocolate. But then you taste it and you go, oh. When I eat too much dark chocolate, it makes me sweat right here. I don't know why. It just does. That's what I know I've had too much. And when I read the book of John, it just seems to get deeper and deeper and deeper. Yet it's so simple. So simple. I've been trying to figure out macro. How can I just remember the whole book of John? My memory at 47 seems to be failing a bit. Memorizing verses takes so much energy. So I've gone for big picture. Here's a big picture of the book of John, the first 10 chapters. You can know this by the time you leave here. It's really this simple. Chapter 1, chapter 2, 3 to 5. Three scenes, three signs, three people. You got it. Chapter 1, three scenes. He says, I'm the Word. I'm the Word. I'm the Logos. I'm the creation of all things. That's what he meant by that. And by that last part of chapter 1, actually the beginning of chapter 1, he throws in, I am the Son of God. There's another scene in chapter 1. So that was the first scene of chapter 1. There's the next scene. It flashes to the ultimate water boy, John the Baptist. He shows up and he leads this person who's making these strong statements. And people are mesmerized by John the Baptist and drawn to Jesus. The third scene in chapter 1 plays out like this. It's us, the disciples. We show up on the scene. The disciples begin to hear, you're the what? You say what? And Jesus is offering them an opportunity to follow him. And they're not too sure, but in the end, they're willing. Chapter 2 ends up three signs. He says, hey, I'm going to start showing you the power of God. Water to wine. He then proclaims he's going to strip the temple down and rebuild. He's talking about his body. They don't get it. And then he performs all these other signs. The tension begins to rise. Chapter 1, three scenes. Chapter 2, three signs. And then we go into these three chapters of story that we can relate to. Because these are people who have been listening to other voices than the kingdom of God, and they want more. 
Nick at night, he shows up. Nicodemus, he's like us. He's a cultural person. He's highly educated. He's climbed the ladder. He has done what the culture's told him to do. He's a good Jew, but those voices aren't fully satisfying. He wants more. Anybody relate to that? We find then the woman at the well. She too has been listening to other voices. The voice of condemnation. The voice of, you're not from the right place. The voice of, you're a woman. The voice of, you can't figure out relationship. The voice of self-defeat. But Jesus at the, at, the, at the well changes her identity. The kingdom voice floods that and she runs off and says, I've met the Messiah. The man at the pool He's been following the voice of hopelessness. Never be healed, never going to be different. Things will never change. Anybody relate to that? This is why we needed to find, know the book of John in a macro because we can find ourselves in the micro of life in the book of John. It's beautiful and powerful. It's complex, but it's also very simple. The next five chapters, you got them. They're so easy. How many people does he feed in chapter six? Over 6,000. You want to say 5,000 because that's the right Sunday school answer. You never hear him say, Jesus fed 6,000. No, they say Jesus fed the 5,000. But that's wrong. They only counted the men. You always remember now that John chapter 6 is about him feeding the what? The 6,000. And John chapter 7, after he started this whole slew of saying wild things, hanging out with people he shouldn't be hanging out with and doing things on Sundays or Saturdays, whatever they called the Sabbath back then, They begin to pepper him with questions. John chapter 7, if you look at that, there are seven sets of questions in there that are saying, are you the Messiah? And sometimes we wonder that, don't we? We can relate to that. Is he really? And then in chapter 8, there's eight sets of questions that relate to him being the Father. Chapter 9 is easy because everybody remembers that chapter 9 is about the man born blind. And this is about seeing the kingdom. That crazy scenario last week, how about Gary said it? Gary said it last week. Can you believe the guy was healed and nobody was excited about that? How can you, something so powerful happen and we missed the point? It's amazing. The kingdom of God had entered earth and done a miraculous thing and they're fighting about the kingdom of earth and missed the kingdom of God. Folks, it is always about whether or not we're playing kingdom or we're playing earth. On a given moment-by-moment basis, from the time you wake up until how you deal with people, it's either whether we're seeing, hearing, participating, and bringing the kingdom of God to, or kingdom of heaven to earth, or just plain earth. I'm amazed how much I have my head down like a sheep, just chewing the earth, chewing the earth, enjoying the earth, enjoying earth, wandering all over the place, wandering all over the place like a sheep, and missing the kingdom that is for me. Anybody else relate to that? And so it brings us to the Good Shepherd. Chapter 10 is just Psalm 23 all over again. That's the easiest way to remember that. It would blow their minds that they would, he would start talking about the Good Shepherd in the way that he did because it would always harken back to Psalm 23. So let's go back to the takeaway. Think we got it yet? We'll throw it on the screen. And now I want you to say good with a little, oh, good. Okay, not just good, I'm good. No, go with, oh, you just had some fine of whatever you like. Wine, chocolate, food, and it was good salsa. All right? 
So repeat after me. The shepherd is good. So be like a sheep and listen to his voice only. Let's see how good the shepherd is. If you jump in, Luke read the first six passages. He really throws out a metaphor, a story, a parable that they don't fully understand. He then takes the next uh, really 10, 12 verses and unpacks it for them. And they still don't fully get it. The shepherd is good, page two of your notes. There's really three truths here, and we've got to always come back to these truths because we forget how good these are. So we kind of go, God is good versus God is good. He's so good, and we sing songs about him that we kind of sing, and then there's other times when you lock into a song and you're like, I'm singing it, and I believe it, and that's speaking to me right now. It's because we forget these simple truths that are so simple but unbelievably complex. So look at the first one. He provides a gate for them. This shepherd, he's just not in charge of the sheep. He's in charge of the whole thing. This is his deal. This, he's in charge of, he's the shepherd of, of all things. And he provides for them a gate, right somewhere, a gateway. He provides, in essence, a gateway for them to enter into. And gates mattered in the Old Testament. Remember, the context is he's scolding Pharisees here, saying, you guys don't get this. And so he throws down something that would blow their mind. He says, he does say he's the shepherd, but he also says, I'm the gate. And that would have been hard for them to handle because they know that gates matter. Gates were the way you got into certain cities. Gates were the way you got into the temple. Gates are where kings were behind. Gates matter. See, gates, doesn't, gates don't seem to matter to us too much. We don't deal with gates. We deal more with fences, okay? But gates were significant back then. And look what this gate provides. And we know this, but let's be reminded and see and if we can allow it to touch us again. Verse 9, I'm the gate. Whoever enters through it will be saved. They knew a Messiah was coming. Now he's using Messiah-like language, and they're going, you're saying you're the Messiah, you save our people. You're like a Moses. You're like a Joshua. You're like a, wait a minute, what are you saying here? But he saves. And in the end, what he's saying, I will give you eternal life. So the gate is the entry point to eternal life. A lot of us has heard this. It's a good reminder. But it's through Christ that we can have a relationship with God. He provides it. His death and resurrection did that for us. He's the gateway to not be condemned by God, but to be fully accepted and fully loved. As my kids walk out the door each day, I'm trying to remind them. I'll say to them, hey, hey, before you go, remember this. You're fully accepted and fully loved. Because there's a lot of other voices out there telling us a lot different, correct? And they need to have that stability. But he's telling about eternal salvation for the future, forever. But here's the deal. That never motivated me. Following Christ and seeking after God and the Good Shepherd wasn't something I was drawn into because of heaven. It was because of the next verse. Look at verse 10. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. I can remember going, almost being like a Nicodemus. I had listened to all the voices and followed the certain way. And I was kind of like the woman at the well because I'd caused some pain to people and some people had caused pain to me, so I was living under condemnation, all right? And then I was kind of like the guy at the pool because I'm going, this is my life, like this is it? Like this is all there is? 
this is kind of hopeless. I want a different pool, you know? So I, was, I had heard, I'd been dealt with all those voices. And, but then I remember seeing this passage. And if you don't know John 10, this is a memory verse. This is a stick it down, get it in your head, and remember that he, when he opens that gate for you and lets you walk in, it, does, it not only leads to eternal life forever, it leads to this abundant, fulfilling, most satisfying life on earth that still hurts and there's still challenges. But it's most satisfying, it's most rich, it's most deep. See, most of us think this. If we enter into this thing with God, it seems kind of penned in. Oh, Brian, you're telling me this gate I enter into, and way down there is these eternal life, but there's these boundaries on it. I feel like a caged sheep. No, folks, we are free-range sheep. We are free-range sheep. We got so much roaming room that we get ourselves into our own messes because of where we wander. Anybody relate to wandering? Head down, chewing, oh my gosh, how did I get here? Dangerous. But God, but God, so I want you to hear that. And look what he's trying to do. He's protecting us. There's this protection that, oh, we need him. I'm recently dealing with some folks. They haven't been listening to the voice. They never entered through the gate. And now they've eaten much grass. It's taken them far enough and far enough away. They've fallen into a few pits. It's turned into their daughter dealing with a suicide that now affects their family. turns into their, their marriage totally breaking down. They don't know the shepherd. So they're just listening to their voices and the cultural voices, you know. And they're lost. They're lost. But that's us too, isn't it? And he wants to protect us from the evil one who wants us to stray. He wants us to protect us from ourselves. Isn't it amazing? I need, I need bumpers. There's nothing better than bowling when there's the bumpers on the rails, right? Uh, the rails and the gutters. That is just fun. That's high scoring. And those are good. There's some benefit to having those. Look what also you have here. He's willing to sacrifice himself for them. If you get to passage 11... I am the good shepherd, he finally says it. And the sheep, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He's willing to die. We know he did it. But he's willing to die. But then look what it says. I want you to capture the abandonment language that comes up here. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolves coming, the evil things, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters him. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and carries cares nothing for the sheep. Write this down. God will not abandon you. You may feel like you're abandoned, but that is a voice you should not listen to. Feelings are true in the fact that you feel them, but feelings are not always true and you shouldn't always follow them. Did you hear that? Feelings are true. You feel them. You feel them. Okay, so that's true. You feel feelings, but they're not always true. And the problem is in America and most of our lives, we feel like we feel it. Oh, baby, let's go for it. And that's not always best. And the reality is, is that he will not abandon you. Have you ever felt abandoned? I bet you have. But he will not abandon you. He is there. In a lighter way, I think about it as this. Think about how much I love my own kids. 
And this is where I want you to realize how much he's willing to sacrifice and how much he's willing to be there. I will be there for my kids. I will not abandon my kids. I will be there for my wife. I will. I will not abandon. And I'm willing to die. The reality is this. I know this. I don't always feel that way about your kids. I hang out with some other kids. Now, if they're under my care, yes. Okay, come on, because now you're scared to let me be around your kids. <laughs> you give me your pets even. Like, I think about our pets. I care about my pets. I sacrifice my life for my pets. Would I die for the geckos? I'm not sure. I think I'd let the geckos <laughs> die. The bunnies? Uh, yeah, they're, they're kind of cute. But right now we're watching the neighbor's dog. I'd die for that dog. I'm sacrificing for that dog a lot because it's a puppy right now. You should feel my hands and look at him. He's had him. And here's the deal. I need that dog to live because they're coming back on Tuesday. <laughs> but here's what I know. Because he's under my care, I will. I will. That's how, and you know this. You don't care about his other people's kids as much as you care about your own, and you know that. Nor their pets. God cares about us like we care about our own. That's, that's important to that remember that. And then look in 14 to 16. He is rich in generous relationships with his sheep. I love the line in 14. I am the shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. This line's worthy of just noting and holding on to. He knows his sheep and the sheep know me. Here's all we want as human beings. I'm convinced. All we want as human beings is this. To be fully known and fully accepted. I've watched this play out with my own parents. I watch it with other people who are not satisfied with their parent relationship until it is never whole, until the relationship is fully known and fully accepted. If it's anything different, it's not fully satisfying. But fully known and fully accepted. And that's how our God views us. And he wants many to experience that. If you look at verse 16, look what he says. I have other sheep that are not of this pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. So get it? There's this gate. It goes to eternity. There's this pasture. Sounds like Psalm 23, where this abundant life is. Fortunately, there are some boundaries to it that he says stay within. He's with us. He has what's best for us, and he won't abandon us. This so parallels Psalm 23. Let's reread it again. And as I read it, I want you to find what draws you to the goodness of God. Which line is, that tells me God is good. So let me read it. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I'll not be afraid. For you're close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows the blessings. Surely goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I'll live in the house of the Lord forever. Take a moment on your sheet, in your own head, if you've got to open back up. What tells you in that psalm that he's a good shepherd? Take a moment.
So the shepherd is good. Repeat the next line for me. So be like a sheep. Look what the sheep do. He goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. This is how we should be more like sheep. Yes, sheep are wanderers and we wander. But sheep, I read this and I go, oh, I want to be more like a sheep. Look what sheep do. They run away from the strange voices. I run to them. Anybody else relate? It's amazing the voices I've run to that's caused me pain and damage. It's amazing at the voices of, that I have felt with inside that I've acted on and how that has caused pain and damage. But I love about sheep is they'll only listen to the shepherd's voice. Yes, they'll wander. They get lost. But they only listen to the shepherd's voice. And so repeat this line uh, with me. And listen to his voice only. God wants us to be listeners. Look at these lines over and over again. The sheep listen to his voice, but the sheep have not listened to them, those other voices. They too will listen to my voice. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. It's incredible the voices we listen to. So before we go today, I want to give you some voices we should listen to and some voices we shouldn't listen to. Let's start with the ones we shouldn't listen to. I'll give them to you quickly here, and then we'll go into detail. First voice we should not listen to, our emotions. I already stated that, and we'll get back into it. We should not listen to all of our emotions. Another voice we should not listen to all the time is our other people. There are some people we should listen to, but then there are others we should not listen to. Another voice we should not listen to is the culture. The culture has some good things for us, but the culture shouldn't be the primary voice we listen to. So emotions, fear, anger, doubt, want. Those are some emotions, fear, anger. It's amazing what I'll do in fear. I'll feel fear, and then usually what will come is impatience, urgency, and anger will come out when I feel fear. And when I act on that, it seems like people get hurt. And then I'll even say, well, I was scared. You know, well, that's not always the reason you should act on that. How about things like doubt? When you have doubt, doubt can take us places. We've got to be careful when we feel doubt. How about want? I can remember a season of my life, I wanted this, a certain thing in my career. I want it. So I put our family on a track for that. My friends were saying no. Uh, I wasn't listening to God at the time, nor was I reading his word at the time because I didn't want to hear a no. But everybody around me was saying no, and I took us down that track, and something severe had to happen to get my attention. Anybody relate to that? You follow the voice because you want it so bad, but it's not as will. How about others? The main other that's attacking you is Satan. That other gives you, tells you lies about yourself. He comes with condemnation. Here's the difference. There's condemnation and there's conviction. Conviction is gently God telling us what he wants us to do, how he needs us to change. Condemnation is you are no good, you'll never be any good. Those are two very, one is gracious His kindness should be leading us to repentance. Shame is not something that should be leading us to repentance. Some of us grew up in condemning environments, so we put that on God, and we think God only operates that way. No, he's a gentleman. He'll wait us out. He's so gracious. And then there are others who don't have the best for us. We shouldn't listen to them. And how about the culture? The culture has told me over the years what my size should be, whether my ability is good enough, 
if my age is the right age, if my looks are good enough, and if I have the right lifestyle. I'm a 47-year-old man, I'd say, for 35 years who just always wanted to be bigger. I came in petite. I don't know if you realize that. <laughs> I w especially compared to Gary. Okay, giant and petite. Okay, that's the differences. I wear a small sweater, and I'm okay with that now. But you know how long that took? You know how long I wanted to be bigger? How long? I had this great experience when I was 40. I was the only one who could climb the ladder at 40 and fit through this window of those little small bathroom windows and help this old lady in one day. Okay? You know? And I realized then, I told my kids, come on. God made you who you are, size you are, for a good reason. All right? The reality is, we listen to these voices that we've got to, any voice you hear, here's what you got to do with it. You got to take it against God's truth and then bring some other people and let them speak into it. Do you hear that? You've got to. Because when we listen to the, vo the wrong voices, it leads us the wrong way. Or if we don't listen to the right voices. She had made a bad choice. I had forgotten about it. I saw her back in November. I was at a game. She walked up to me. Brian, do you remember me? I looked her right in the eyes. No. No. Tell me, I said, tell me more so I can figure this out. She said, you told me, and t you and Tony told, told me not to marry him about seven to ten years ago. I said, really? Wow. I said, what happened? She said, I married him. I said, oh, okay. She goes, I should have listened to you guys. We're divorced. I said, oh, I am so sorry. She goes, no, it's okay. It's gotten even more challenging. And I went, oh, really? She goes, but it's okay. I'm having a double mastectomy uh, later this month. I didn't know what to say to that. I wasn't expecting double mastectomy. It's gotten worse. She's a 30, early 30-something. 30 I'm going, tell me more. Tell me more. Help me. Tell me more. She goes, I've been in the Word for the last couple of years. I've reengaged with God. I'm at peace. I said, can we walk outside and talk? This was in a, this was in a, uh, I'm in a basketball game. I'm in the stands. Okay, let's walk outside. I left inspired. She had wandered off from the voice of God. She'd come back to it deliberately. She was heading to something I don't even know how to help her with. And she was okay. It was beautiful. It was beautiful and sad. There are voices that we should listen to, his voice. But here's how you do it, through prayer. You got to do it through prayer. Prayer involves sitting silently at times before him and saying, God, what do you want to say to me? It's also bringing your big eye voice ideas that show up and bringing it to him and saying, God, is this true or not? This is also taking it to other people. So other people are a key aspect of hearing his voice. Don't do it alone. You know what they call isolated sheep? dead. They call isolated sheep dead. So when you hear things, you got to bring it to God and to others. You got to be in his word. So the truth is coming, is the kingdom of God is in you more and coming out more than the other voices. The truth, the word is one of the primary ways to get his voice in you. He speaks to this. This is alive and this is active. And so coming to a regular way of getting this in you is huge. And then God speaks through things, music, circumstances. He'll speak through circumstances, and it's painful. Dreams. How about even a billboard? Billboard going to San Francisco during a season of our life said, speed kills. 
I was wrestling with my pace at that time. I was wrestling with how I was handling people. And what I realized is speed kills. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. God was calling out to me to slow down. The billboard was what spoke to me, but I checked it against his truth in others. Folks, we have a good shepherd, so be like a good sheep. Run from those other voices. Realize he's got what's best for us and listen only to his voice. As we reflect now and the band comes back up, I want you to look at these four questions on the bottom of your sheep. Do you trust the shepherd is good? What voices do you need to run from? Mark those down. What voices do you need to let in more? Will you let him shepherd you? And then look at these two prayers. What, God, do you want to say to me? What, God, do you want me to do? These are very portable, helpful questions. Let us pray. God, help us now wrestle with these questions, wrestle with these prayers. Help us sit in this now and do something with it. So, Lord, as the band sings over us or we sing with them, Lord, help us reflect and not not just sit here, Lord, but to listen to you. So use this time to listen and to praise him. In the name of Jesus, amen. listening to the Peninsula Covenant Church podcast. We're located at 3560 Farm Hill Boulevard in Redwood City, California. You can reach us online at www.peninsulacovenant.com.